In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Eleven years ago, the entire world was captivated by one story. Maybe you remember that 33 miners were trapped a half mile below the surface of the earth in Chile uh, after a cave-in in their copper mine. And for over two months, they lived in the dark of their cave. Uh, for the first couple of weeks, they lived off of rations of food that had been intended just for two days. They drank water from radiators. Now, above ground, the rescue efforts were underway, though initially they had no contact and no way to even know if there were survivors. Maps of the cave structures were shown to be out of date, and ventilation shafts had been closed off uh, in the collapse. But eventually, the surface workers found a narrow enough opening to get food and lighting down to them if there were survivors, and a scribbled piece of paper came back. All 33 are well. And experts from around the world were immediately brought in to figure out how to get the men out of the cave. A hole was drilled, but it didn't work. A second hole also failed. And the whole world watched, desperate for rescue, hanging on every bit of new information that they could glean from the -the round-the-clock coverage. And finally, in early October 2010, a hole was successfully drilled wide enough, about this wide, for a single uh, rescue pod to be lowered down and then retrieved. And many of you will remember sitting in front of your television cheering as one by one they were brought out of the darkness and into the light. Now, I have used that story a few times over the years to illustrate the truth of the gospel. That spiritually speaking, each of us is trapped in darkness, unable to save ourselves. But Jesus has drilled through the hard rock of our hearts and rescued us to bring us out of darkness and into the light. And I got to tell you, that's a good sermon illustration. A plus, A plus it is. But this week, I actually saw it from a different angle, one that I'd never really thought about before, that by virtue of having been rescued from spiritual darkness and brought uh, into the sunshine of God's saving grace, and now that we are children of God and ambassadors for Christ, that we each are called and commissioned to take our part on the rescue team. Another way to say that is that one very natural and obvious response to God's grace is that we serve for God and others. So we are in the third and final week of looking at the mission and vision of the church. You can read them on the back of your bulletin, take them home, pray over them, memorize them. We exist, and of course when I say we, I mean all of us as the church, not just staff and clergy. We all exist to help people, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, to live into a personal 
an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So that we are a beacon of Christian vitality to Mandarin and northern St. John's County and to the Diocese of Florida. Let me say that uh, growing in our relationship with Christ, maturing in Him, kicking ourselves off the throne of our hearts and letting Him be King every day, that takes our whole lives. But it's not complicated. It takes our whole lives, but it only takes three words. Connect, grow, and serve. We connect to God and God's people in worship. That's what we're doing here today. We grow towards God and others in prayer and in studying the Bible, and we serve for God and for the good of others in our community. Now, if we all make those three things part of the rhythm of our lives, then Mandarin is going to need sunglasses because we will be such a bright beacon of Christ's light. So two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus dying and rising to connect with us. Remember, um, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And last week, uh, we talked about the graciousness of a God who would give us his scripture uh, so that we can grow in him. This week, we're talking about serving for God and others. And I just think it is amazing that the God who has saved us would invite us to participate in his own work. There are people in the cave. And Jesus says, hey, let's use your drill. So the classic text on the call of, of every Christian to serve is Matthew chapter 28. It's often called the Great Commission. Trent just read this passage. It's after Jesus' resurrection, and he takes them, uh, takes the disciples up on the mountain, and they worship him, but some doubt. Which is to say, some of the eleven still don't know what to make of this risen man. They, they didn't doubt in the sense that they didn't think he really died, or uh, or that they thought he was just a ghost and not really risen. They, they just still didn't have a mental category for what was standing in front of them with a beard and a smile. And it is these dumbfounded disciples who still yet did not have all the answers. It is them that Jesus catches up into his own ministry when he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's the famous line, isn't it? That's the one we know, go and make disciples of all nations. But it's actually the second thing that Jesus says. We, we kind of pass over usually the first thing that Jesus says right before that, because, but it's the first thing that makes the second thing not just a command, but a wonder. But I think we pass over the first thing he says because it's just too big for us to comprehend. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, sometimes I think we, we think of Jesus as our buddy. You know, we talk about how he wants to connect. and We talk about his love and his grace. And all of that, of course, is absolutely true. But sometimes in our minds, I think, to sort of 
get our, our minds around that, we kind of tame him and whittle him down till he kind of fits in our pocket and we can carry him around like a good luck charm. He is the magnate of the universe. All authority in heaven and on earth. However divine and powerful you can imagine Jesus to be, you can just assume it's not close to big enough. Here's what St. Paul wrote to the Colossians about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He says, everything was created by him in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. All things have been, been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. We would just atomize without the word of Jesus. He, he, is, he has first place in everything, for all the fullness of God dwells in him. And it is this God, in all his infinite strength and greatness and glory, who has said, I know you, I love you, I have saved you, and therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And you can understand why our psalmist this morning says, you hung the stars in place, what is man that you should know him by name? And yet, he not only knows us, but he catches us up into his work, saying, just go share the good news through word and deed. See, the gospel reorients our will, which is inherently self-centered. It reorients us to the will of God, which is inherently others-oriented. God, both gracious and almighty. We love God because he first loved us but in learning to love him we learn to care about the things that he cares about and the pages of scripture are full of what he cares about just take our passage from Isaiah as one among dozens of examples God is speaking here in this passage uh, through Isaiah to people who are very religious they're in church every week They're praying the prayers, they're singing the songs. But their faith has had virtually no impact on their life and how, particularly how they treat people. God asks, is not this the fast that I choose? Rather than the the sacrifice and and the weekly attendance, to is this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke? To let the oppressed go free, to share your bread with the hungry, and to bring the homeless poor into your house. We are learning to care about what he cares about. We're not simply saved from our own dark caves, but we are saved to helping others out of the caves they're in, in the glorious name of Jesus. Now, i got to tell you, I'm not usually one to quote popes. But this week, some of you posted on Facebook a quote from Pope Francis that I thought was really great. At least it was a trick. It, it had his picture next to it, and it was a quote. So I assume uh, that that was the intent. You can't always trust that. He says this, 
Rivers do not drink their own water. Trees do not eat their own fruit. The sun does not shine on itself, and flowers do not spread their fragrance for themselves. Living for others is a rule of nature. We are all born to help each other, no matter how difficult it is. Life is good when you are happy, but much better when others are happy because of you. Now listen, we could hold a whole weekend conference on the Great Commission. I only got a few more minutes. So let me say quick, uh, three quick things. First, a lot of times, and I think this is a particularly American phenomenon for what I understand, but a lot of times churches are one way or the other. Either they're really concerned with biblical, good biblical doctrine and personal piety, but not so much with issues of, of justice or service, or they're really concerned with service, but not really worrying too much about biblical doctrine. Now, I, I know the history of how that divorce happened, but I do not know how anyone can feel like they are actually holding to biblical doctrine and not be concerned with issues of, of service and justice. To, though, to be honest, I have been guilty of that. But if we are to be a beacon of Christian vitality for our communities, we cannot unhitch biblical doctrine and personal faith from loving our neighbors and serving the poor and caring for the downtrodden. We must be a church that does both. Second, serving for God and for others is a call to live for something bigger than ourselves, to serve with purpose rather than to make ourselves feel good. You do not need to go out on San Jose and hold up a sign that says repent in order to help people grow in their relationship with Christ. In fact, it might be counterproductive. So don't do that if you're planning on doing that this afternoon. You can help people grow in their relationship with Christ by helping in their worship experience, being a great usher, lay reader, a chalice bearer, or an altar guild member. You can help our youth grow in Christ by helping out with our youth group. You can help our newcomers, which we have just about every week. You can help our newcomers feel seen and welcomed. You can help with a, the loneliness epidemic. You know that over 65% uh, over of elderly are socially isolated at some point. You can visit the elderly in our parish who cannot get out. If they are going to connect to God and others, the others are going to have to go to them. And we would love to help you do that. You can help those facing food insecurity by serving at any one of a number of facilities around town or helping out with Meals on Wheels. We would love to help you do that. If you have suffered grief, and found healing. You can help others who are in the midst of grief find healing too. We would love to help you do that. You can help out with Habitat for Humanity or help those in prison. You can help write letters or help with our live nativity. You can pray. There is no end to how we can serve for God and others. 
And if you don't know how, or you don't know how to get started, that is literally part of what you pay me for. I would love to help you. So please come and talk to me about it. The third and final point is that while your service certainly helps others, it also helps you. It helps you. Part of how we grow in Christ, part of how we become vibrant Christians is that we get our hands dirty. We turn off Netflix and we make a casserole for somebody. We put down our phones and we listen to someone who needs to talk. Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done it unto me. Right? It, when, we, when we step out of our own lives into the struggles of others, our own struggles seem to be a little more manageable. A little less consuming. When we stop chasing our own elusive happiness and start giving joy to other people, we, you know, we look up and we're happy. We were made to love God and we were made to express that love for God by loving others. And theologian Christopher Wright, and I'm just going to just leave you with this. Theologian Christopher Wright said, God does not so much have a mission for his church but rather he has a church for his mission. There are people who are trapped in all sorts of ki- and kinds of dark caves. And part of the grace that God has given to you is that he has given you a drill of some sort. Your drill doesn't look like my drill, but there is, you have a job to do. And so go, therefore, and make disciples. That might be scary, might be inconvenient, but you don't have to have all the answers. Because guess what? Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age.